0: Welcome all of you to Glenlock, hope and pray you and your family are doing well As we have our first worship service in the month of August And it feels like August in here uh, To our surprise, the uh, units are both down in here The, the unit out there is, is working So if you have to get up during the middle of the service, go catch your breath and come back in You certainly have our permission to do so um, A few announcements as we begin Should have passed out the old fashioned church fans. So, did you get a bulletin? (laughs) That may serve the purpose. Uh, A few announcements from that bulletin. Notice that uh, important dates underneath the service order. Uh, Today at Heard County High School at 3 o'clock, there is a community prayer walk. Uh, The leadership there contacted churches in the area and have asked for prayer. As school starts back on Monday, So let's try to be supportive and encouraging in that ministry this afternoon. Then tonight at 6 o'clock, we are hosting a back-to-school worship service for students in the area. Several churches have been invited and have confirmed that they will be here. So be in prayer for Bryson and the leadership who will be leading that particular service. We have Trey Bradley. Some of you remember Trey Bradley. He's been with us on occasion for different things like worship services and youth camps. He will be leading the singing, the music, uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. So, hope and pray all will attend. Adults will be meeting in here tonight as as part of that service. And then later in August, Glenlock Soccer is approaching. We will have evaluations on the 21st at 6 o'clock. And we need coaches, we need players. If you're interested at all in being a part of that ministry, please let me know. And then August calendar. The other things that we have going on this month are listed uh, by date on this calendar with other information on the back about different things and ministries that are going on throughout the month of August. So we uh, encourage you not only to be a part of those ministries and and events, but to be prayerful uh, concerning those as well. It's been a a fruitful summer, been a busy summer, but a fruitful summer. If you'll turn to 587 and stand let's have a responsive reading together you're gonna do what? okay Uh, your hymnals are helpful 587 this is all from Romans 8 and I just wanted to remind us of our security in Christ the assurance that we have in Christ That Christ has purchased us, we are sealed in Him forever, and that there is nothing that can ever separate us from His love. So I'm going to read the solo parts, and then we have everyone and men and women. So let's really do it the way it's listed other than the solo. I'll be both solos. You all be everyone, then men be men, and women be women. Okay? All right, Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is, it is God, God that, that justified. justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, May, in, in all, all these things, things we, we are, are more, more than conquerors, than conquerors through, through him that loved us. us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels,
1: nor, because, nor, house,
2: nor things of nor the present, nor things to come,
0: nor height, nor depth, nor, nor any other creation, creation shall be able, able to separate us from, from the love, love of God, God which is in Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord. May God add his blessings to the reading. Of his word, let's remain standing as Catherine comes and leads us.
2: If you want to hold on to your hymnal, we're going to open with 708. It is well. And I apologize for those words not being on the screen for the reading. That was 100% Catherine Warren's fault. sings their song Um, if you're not aware I'm a teacher up at Central Middle School and I lead our FCA up there and this summer I got to go to FCA camp and I went to church camp with our youth and there's three main things that the Lord just really um, worked in my life this summer and lessons he really taught me Um, and it's really three words the first word is um, receive and um, that it's not always just about being a giver Um, because I really tend to not struggle with that part. What I struggle with is receiving from others and allowing other people to be part um, of ministries as well. And the second word is plug-in, and the third word is influence. Um, And all three of those kind of came from FCA events. This past Friday, the entire Heard County football team, along with Carrollton, Villareca, Central, Um, Their football teams and many of the um, female sports as well filled up Midway Macedonia Friday night for an event that they called Kickoff for Christ. And part of that event, one of the things they did was they showed a picture on the board that was called Influence, and they really encouraged those athletes and reminded those athletes that um, the platform that they've been given is not the blessing. They've been giving that platform to use it as a blessing, Um, and it was really impactful, and They actually um, used the example that we used at FCA camp that really just kind of opened my eyes, and I wanted to share that with you all this morning because, you know, when we say back to school, in my head I originally thought, well, yeah, back to school, but that really only influences kids and parents, but really a school is— One of the most important parts of a community. So, really, even if you don't have children or you don't have um, a teacher in your family or you don't have to worry about school, at the same time, you do have to worry about school because, you know, if you forget that they're in school and you fly past Heard County High School, Mr. Tim's gonna get you and make Heard County some money, right? I mean, everybody is influenced by school in a community. And in a community our size, You know that's not just a school like we truly are a community we are one brave nation I mean in in Carrollton we're lion strong we're 24 strong and so I just wanted to kind of take a minute and share with you um, this idea of plugging in Um, so this summer our pastor held out something like this raise your hand if you have something like this in your house power strip with a lot of things plugged in okay Um, so like you know you've got your computer you've got your iPad you've got your cell phone this one's not even plugged in at all, right? So it's not gonna do any good until I plug it in. How many of you have ever laid, um, like I keep my phone charging beside my bed, and I know I wake up so just, you know, my whole day is thrown off if I wake up and find out that I didn't actually have, I had my phone plugged in, but I didn't flip this little switch right here, right? So then did my phone charge at all at night? No, it just, you know, it was plugged in, but it didn't charge because it wasn't actually plugged into the power source, right? This strip is really useful to plug in a lot of things. In our life, we can plug into a lot of things. We can come to church every morning. We can read our Bible every day. We can have a set time that we pray every day. But the truth is, this power strip is no good, and it doesn't work for us unless the actual current is flowing through it, right? Unless it's actually plugged in to the power source. See, we can be plugged into all the right things. And we can be doing all the right things. But if we're not plugged in, if we don't have that actual circuit running through us of the Holy Spirit, if we've not actually plugged into God, they're just cords. They're just things that we're trying to charge our life up with. But honestly, it's not going to work until we're truly charged, charged by the power source, until we're truly plugged into Christ. And that just impacted me so much this summer, and they reshowed that to the kids at the FCA event, and I thought, gosh, I need to share that. Because, you know, school, the good thing is it's a rebooting time. I mean, kids move to a different grade, teachers get new students, people start coming back to church because they get back in their routine. So it's a good time to plug in. And so then the last thing um, I thought about was, you know, originally we said, we're going to sing the choir song called Pray Now. Um, because we're going back to school, and it's just a good reminder for us. And my original thought was I'm going to ask Ms. Gina Bledsoe to come pray over our teachers and our students like we've done in the past. But then yesterday I really had something laid on my heart, and it's it's different, and it's strange. But, you know, um, Pastor Neil preached last week about being different, right, about being a light. And so I just really had it placed on my heart that instead of us having one big mass prayer, I'm going to challenge you to do something different today. I mean, when you think about it, God did a lot of really different things in the Bible, from putting mud on somebody's eyes to give them sight to walking on water. I mean, our God is a different God, right? So for that, I'm going to ask you to do something different this morning. And um, here's what I'm going to ask. While the choir sings this song called Pray Now, this is going to be bold, and it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you that instead of us having just a massive blanket prayer over our teachers and our students, I'm going to encourage each one of you as a family, each one of you as a student, each one of you as a teacher, as we sing this song, we have a big altar in our church, an altar that we probably don't feel enough, and there's nothing wrong with praying in your seat, but I can tell you as, um, as a child who used to watch families come to the altar. Parents, think about what your kids are going to have in their mind when they go through school this year, thinking, wow, my parents prayed with me on that altar before school started. Or if you can walk into your open house and tell that teacher, hey, we prayed for you Sunday morning. It's going to be a great year. So yeah, it's bold and it's different. But if you want this to be a different school year and you want to have a different outlook... And I encourage you as we sing this song to come down to this altar with your family by yourself, grab a teacher, somebody from the community, and pray over these students, pray over the teachers, pray over the students who are going to come into this building tonight. Because I know for a fact there were five Herd County football players who boldly stood up and walked in front of everybody Friday night at Midway Macedonia and said, hey, I need this God. I need to learn how to be plugged in. And we didn't close our eyes and we didn't say a prayer. They said, if that's you, then you be bold and you walk down here and you stand here. And they did it. I mean, they flooded down. So I encourage you to be bold this morning and fill this altar and um, just surround our community in prayer as we start the school back. We'll stand together. We're going to worship together one more time. And I thought while we're shaking things up, might as well throw a brand new song in there, too. Um, if you've been listening to Current Radio, you've probably heard this. It's called Build My Life. Um, and just carrying on that school theme, I, I wanted to really sing this song um, this morning because it's, it's my song for the year. Like, it's the song I'm going to play over and over and over. And it's really the words in the chorus that I love the most. It says, And fill me with your heart, And lead me in love. Lead me in love to those around me. Um, Worthy, there's no one like you. Um, You'll catch on to it really quick, I promise. Your spirit never um, never steers us in the wrong direction, God. And Lord, um, when we truly plug into You as our power source and we make sure we're plugged in and then we start adding the things that we can connect to it, God, then Lord, I pray that You truly use us to lead others in Your love, God. And that's a really hard thing to do sometimes, Lord, especially in, in a society where we're so so easy to put others down instead of lifting others up god i pray that every single person in this room lord will be encouraged to lead in your love god lord thank you for your all-sufficient power and thank you um, for just reminding us that we need to pray right now god lord i do lift up all of our students who are going to be going back to school this week and all the teachers who are going to be um teaching them god lord i pray that you allow us to be salt and light. Lord, let us take our light and be different into a world that, that's pretty dark at times, God. Lord, into schools, that can be pretty dark at times, God. And Lord, I pray that we don't just start this year on this snow, God, but we carry it through all the way until May. And I pray that this church is, is just that foundation for our community and showing others how to love Lord, open our hearts right now and clear our minds as we open up your word to study God. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, Catherine, for your leadership. Thank you, Miss Judy, Uh, Mr. Joe, for your beautiful playing along with the prayer and the song. Um, Truly touched my heart to sing something new that basically tells us what we were learning last Sunday morning, uh, that we should do good works and let our light shine before others so that they would see those good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. We are going to continue... Uh, Looking at our Heavenly Father and His desires for us Let's turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 12 This is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount So a lot that we preached last week from Matthew's version Carries over into the things that Jesus is teaching on this particular occasion Several months ago, our budget committee We were discussing our plan for the year And we decided on a month in which we were going to emphasize stewardship. That month was back in the spring. (laughs) I completely missed it. Uh, So here in August, I get a redo. So I'm actually beginning a new series this morning on stewardship. And it's not just going to be about financial stewardship. But when we talk about stewardship, we're talking about all of God's resources that He has gifted us. We are stewards of much more than, than money, but of course when we think of fi- uh, stewardship, we think oftentimes first of, of finances. But this is actually going to be kind of a combination. Because we have been, the last several weeks, preaching on the goodness of our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is, is, is good in creation, and He's good in His providence, He's good in His love, and we've touched every week. On some aspect of God's great goodness. And last week, we talked about how His goodness comes through us, His children, to others. And that's one of the ways that He shares His goodness with the world is through His people, through His children. So today, we're going to see the goodness of God in the future that He's promised us. The good future that our Heavenly Father has promised and how that affects our stewardship on a daily basis. So God is really really good. He's infinitely good. But how does that affect how we how we spend our money, how we allocate our time, how we use our talents, our bodies, our opportunities, you name it. It all starts with God. So let's let's start with God. Let's go to Luke chapter 12, verse 22 and I don't I want us to consider what Jesus teaches about our Heavenly Father, and I want us to apply this in across the board, but in in particular to to being good stewards of the, the financial blessings that we have. The context here is a very wealthy man who lived for himself. You know the parable, he was the rich fool who continued to expand his own kingdom. Because of his greed, and Jesus said in verse 15, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. We'll confess to almost anything but greediness. Greediness is is sneaky, it sneaks up on us before we realize that we are greedy. And then Jesus says, Not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions? So, what does life consist of? What is life? Then verse 21, So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we're here to be rich toward God. Well, what in the world does that mean? So Jesus brought his disciples kind of to the side, and then he began to teach them. So let's pick up in Luke 12, 22. So he said to his disciples... For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. For life is more. Life is more than food. And the body, it's more than clothing. Consider, look around you, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, and they have no storeroom, nor do they have any barns. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you, by by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his life's span? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why are you anxious about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, even Solomon... In all his glory, and he had a lot of glory, lots of earthly glory, he did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass in the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat and what you shall drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father, this is a sermon about the Father. Your Father knows that you need these things, but seek for His kingdom. And these things that you're anxious and worried about, they will be added to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven. No thief comes near. and No moth moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Be dressed in readiness. And that's kind of a, a contrast of Worrying about outer dress. Hey, you want to be dressed in something? Be dressed in readiness to face God. Keep your lamps alight. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns uh, from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him. And when he comes and knocks, blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve... And have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third or finds them, so blessed are those slaves. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Well, Peter, kind of the Neil Aubrey of the group, He says, uh, you talking to me? (laughs) That's really what he says. Are Are you addressing this to us or to everybody? That's verse 41. That's the Neil International Version of verse 41. Well, the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward? Whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Father, we are truly grateful for the morning that we have to gather as your church, as your children, your disciples to hear your word uh, to see already, Father, where we sin and fall short of this, but, but to be encouraged by the extreme value you've placed on us because ultimately we know that that value is the cross of Christ and his precious blood. So give us this morning patience. Give us ears to hear. And Father, give me the words to say that would explain clearly what you would have for us to know from this text today about how to be good stewards and how to be faithful, how to be ready, and how to allow our lights to shine before others so that they may be pointed to you and drawn closer to you. And for all this, we need your Holy Spirit and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in Sunday school, we're talking about the fact that in the sanctuary, it's going to be really hot this morning. Some wisecrack says, it'd be a good day to preach on hell. I said, well, I'm preaching on stewardship, and for most of us, we'd rather hear a sermon on hell. All jokes aside, when we talk about money and we talk about stewardship, we get uneasy. Man, that's the one area of life that we consider to be nobody else's business. But this is God's business. I saw a picture, cartoon driven drawn one time of, of a man being baptized and he was completely dunked under the water but he was holding his wallet up with his arm out of the water. Lord, take all of me, right? But, but don't, don't touch my wallet. Don't touch my finances. That, that in reality says a lot about, about us and, and, and our mentality and how, and how wrapped up in the world and how wrapped up in ourselves and how wrapped up in our stuff we tend to be and we don't even realize it until we're confronted again with what Jesus says to us in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's think for just a moment about what our true worth really is. Now all of you are fanning and you're hoping, <laughs> can he shorten this week? <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. We'll see how the Lord leads. But let, let's think about this. If you peeled away, if you peeled away everything that you own, all of your stuff. If you took all that stuff away, what would you have? If you took all your possessions away, even if you took away. See, we don't realize how reliant we are on things until they're gone. Have you notice that? We've met every summer this 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 every Sunday this summer not even thinking about the air conditioning. Oh, but we're thinking about it now. Why? Why? Because it's no longer there. We did a little work in a hallway uh, last weekend. We took a mirror down. And that mirror stayed down for several days. I told Tracy, I had no idea how many times I looked at myself in that mirror. (laughs) Until it's gone. (laughs) We erased, we got this calendar at home, this this marker board calendar. Calendar. July is gone. And the month we dreaded, August is here. I completely erased July. And there was nothing written down for August. All the days were blank. And I just let it stay like that for a little while. And then I thought to myself, what if my calendar for August did all of a sudden become truly blank? What if all my activities, and I'm including my preaching activities, my church activities, what if all that was stripped away? And we didn't have anywhere we had to be. What would I have left? See, we're addicted to our activities, we're addicted to our routines, we're slaves to our stuff. But there are real people and there are real stories where all that's wiped away in an instant. And I'm I'm not just talking about their stuff. I'm talking about their calendars. There are things that happen to people where they they wipe their whole calendar clean because of something that's happened in their life that transcends it all. And I don't want to berate this, but what Jesus is saying to us is you need to beware of, of how controlled we are by the things of this world and so what Jesus does to alleviate our fear and to alleviate our anxiety because let's be honest I've got a lot of my identity wrapped up in my calendar I got all these places to preach and all these things to do and we've got this and this and this what if all that was taken away what would I have left (laughs) what if the air conditioner's taken away can we survive right 30 more minutes in the sanctuary what Jesus does to alleviate our anxiety and our fear and to encourage our giving and our generosity is he tells us what we've been telling ourselves for the last six weeks. Think about the goodness of God. So I want to make this morning three points about our Heavenly Father that will alleviate your anxiety, that will, that will mortify your fear so that we can become more God-oriented, kingdom-oriented. Let's remind ourselves... Listen, the most important aspect of my life is my relationship with my Heavenly Father. That matters more than anything else. How my heart relates to God the Father. We've been saying it for weeks. so let's, let, I just want to make the points, okay? Number one, Jesus, to alleviate your anxiety and to cut the root of my fear, He tells us over and over, Your Heavenly Father is an infinitely wealthy Heavenly Father. Write that down. It's elementary. Our Heavenly Father owns everything. He is infinitely wealthy. It's the song we sing. This is my Father's world. But I worry about it as if the whole world depended on who? Depended on me. And you know what? If God calls me home tomorrow, I'm not not irreplaceable. It's he who is holding this universe in his hands. So, what does Jesus say? He says, Consider the birds and consider the flowers. Well, that sounds very simple, but think about it. Why does God feed the birds and why does God glorify the flowers and make them so beautiful? Well, simply because they're his, (laughs) they're his. And so he cares for those things. So in his universe and in his providence, he's so wealthy that he's got all of this at his disposal. And to show us, we see the, 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 the care and the beauty of all of creation. And so we say, listen, my Heavenly Father's infinitely wealthy. He owns everything. But the application into my life needs to be this. If everything is his, including everything that I have, then really the question is, am I using it the way He commands me to use it? Because if everything's His, and it belongs to Him, then I need to be in harmony, and I need to align my heart with His will for how I'm stewarding all that He's blessed me with. So if everything's God's, then everything I have is God's, and God's going to hold me accountable for how I use his stuff. How many of you have ever borrowed something and been terrified that before I could get it back, something awful's going to happen to it? <laughs> and I've had to, in shame, take something back that I was a steward of. You care deeply about who owns something, and you want to treat it appropriately and respectfully because you recognize that it's someone else's. Jesus is simply saying... This is our Father's world, and we are accountable and responsible to Him for how we manage and use and disperse and, and, and all that we relate to in, in according to our resources, the things that he's, been, he's blessed us with, and we are told not to worry about it, not to be anxious about it. How have you been doing in this this past week? If you're like me, not very good. And that's why we're in church. We're here to hear again the standard of Christ and the message of Christ. And we need to be reminded that God cares for his creation deeply. He cares for us deeply. And everything that we have and everything that we manage and everything we worry about belongs first and foremost to our Heavenly Father. J.I. Packer, one of my Favorite author said, Once you become aware that the main business that you're here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place on their own accord. What is life really about? If you peeled away everything that you possess and your whole calendar, then you know your true worth. Then you know who you really are. And who we really are, the gospel tells us, we're holy and dearly loved by God through Christ. But that's kind of getting later on in the message. So not to us. Not to our name. We're not trying to build up our name and our worth and our self. Not to us, Lord, but to you be all glory and honor and praise. Why? Because without him, none of us would exist. None of what we have would exist, and the relationships we have don't exist. So I want to say what one Croatian World Cup player said about playing in the final for his country. He says it's not about the name on the back of the jersey, his personal name. It's about the name on the front of the jersey, his country. That we're here for something bigger than ourselves and the little story of who we are. here for the story of God. Let's say again, very simply, our Heavenly Father is infinitely wealthy. The second thing I want to say about Him is that He's incredibly generous. He's infinitely wealthy, but He's also incredibly generous. So don't be like the godless, wrapping your whole life around, focusing only on your physical needs and comforts, which is what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear, and the security to maintain those That's essentially the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But seek first the kingdom and His glory. Seek first your heavenly Father, and He's going to add all these other things that you need. So it's like a a, a bicycle wheel. He's the center. He's at the center of life. And all the spokes relate rightly to one another as they're appropriately connected to the center. He's going to take care of all these other aspects of your life if you put Him first and your relationship with Him first. And we could talk about how to do that and what that means, but we must first see how incredibly generous He is. And God has promised to provide for us, but He's promised something a whole lot bigger than that, and it's in Luke 12, 32. In fact, I really should have just preached Luke 12, 32. This is the verse that is at the center of the heart of God and telling us what He's going to do on our behalf. So let's take verse 32. Are we in Luke 12, 32? There it is. They've got it for us on the screens. Don't be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I know we are insecure. I know we fret. I know we tend to panic. I know we worry. But listen... I quote, frozen. People make bad choices when they're mad or scared or stressed. <laughs> quote George Lucas, fear is the path to the dark side. All right, And the Bible warns us over and over about fear and fretting and what that does to the human heart. So Jesus says over and over, it's his most repeated command, look, don't be afraid. Well, Why? Look at the next phrase. Because you're God's little flock, and he is your shepherd. It means Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's going to make me lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead me beside still water. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are his little flock, and our shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. So don't be afraid. You're God's flock, and he's caring for you. Not only that, but look, he tells us again that God is our Father. And you as a father, you know how to give good things to your children, don't you? And and the Bible says you're evil. So God is infinitely good. He's much better than you. So he knows how to give good things to his children. But notice the next phrase, because we've repeatedly called God our Abba, our Father. Look at what it says. He has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Look at the joy in the Father's heart to give. God sends his resume to Chick-fil-A. And the boss at Chick-fil-A says, this is what you're supposed to say when you hand out your waffle fries and your chicken nuggets. As the customers come through, what do they say? My pleasure. You got it, Nikki. Man, you don't go anywhere else where you get that kind of service. Not only do they serve you, but they are pleased to do it. Look at who our Heavenly Father is. Look at how incredibly generous that He is. And look at what He promises us. He promises to what? To give us, not to sell it to us, not to trade with us for it, not to bargain for it. Man, He has chosen gladly to give you what? The kingdom. God couldn't promise anything bigger. God couldn't promise us anything better. And not only does God promise this, but he, he tells us how he feels about it. Now, you and I, we know how to give stuff, but we know how to paint it with resentment, right? Yeah, I'll do this, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Or you're going to owe me. <laughs> I had a gentleman at my former church. I'd ask him to pray on occasion, and I'd say, would you like to pray for us this Sunday? He said, uh, he'd say almost every time. I eventually quit asking him. I'd say, Would you like to pray for us this morning? And he says, Well, I will. (laughs) But the implication was that he would do it, but he he wasn't going to enjoy doing it. We experience that all the time, both going and coming as human beings. but, But look at the incredible heart of God. Now, he's promised us sufferings, he's promised us difficulties. He's promised us that people will hate us because we follow Christ. He has promised us that it is going to be a sacrifice to be a disciple of the kingdom. But on top of all that, he's promised us what? The whole kingdom. Now, can we believe this promise? Let's move on to number three. The first one was what? That our heavenly Father is infinitely wealthy. None of us compare. The second thing, our, Fa- our Heavenly Father is incredibly generous and loves doing it. And none of us can compare. But my third point might be the most crucial of all because it undergirds the, the first two. He is impeccably trustworthy. The word impeccable means without fault, without blemish. It's what we aren't because we're so limited and sinful. God is impeccably trustworthy. And what I mean by this is, okay, if He is, incredibly, if he is infinitely generous, and if, and, and if He is, excuse me, if He is infinitely wealthy and incredibly generous, how do I know that He's going to keep the promise of Luke 12, 32? That's a big promise. To give us everything that He has, how do I know that God is going to do that? So if I tithe now, if I sell and give, if I obey him and what he says do to be generous and to share and to give and to not worry about what we're going to eat and not worry about... Okay, let's say, that I, let's say that I test God and I do that. How do I know that in the future he's going to reward me, Luke 14, 14, Gina, at the resurrection of the righteous? How do I know that that's coming? That's what I used to quote to Gina for all her volunteer service. God is going to reward us. He's going to give us the kingdom. How do we know that He's going to keep that promise? Because He's impeccably trustworthy, and here's how you know it. We already read it in Romans 8, 32. Listen, if our Heavenly Father loved us so much that He would send His Son to be a sacrifice of atonement and have Him take our place and bear the wrath that our sin was due. Paul says if God did that, then you know that he is going to keep every promise that he's ever made because from a human standpoint, that's the most difficult one. And if he has not withheld his son, well, of course he's going to give us the whole kingdom. Look, if I would give to you one of my sons, man, you you ought to also know that I would give you everything that I have. And so here's what we know. We know that God is generous, and we know that he's wealthy, but we also know that he's trustworthy. So even though we may not see it now, Even though the fog and the the anxiety and that we may not see it now, we know God and we know He's good and we know He's trustworthy for He sent His Son. And if God was so trustworthy to all the promises, that's the background. The context is all these promises that He made to people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the Old Testament. And those people suffered. Those people did without food and clothing. They did without Everything. Well, was God trustworthy? Absolutely. He kept the promise to send the Messiah. It says one day the Messiah will serve, Jesus will serve us, and we'll be seated there with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom. And you and I, to mortify our fear and anxiety, we've, we've got to hold that before us. And that's the message. That's the good news that transforms our lives. So you can take a... Greedy, selfish person like Zacchaeus. Man, he was ripping everybody off. Nobody in the community liked him. In fact, most commentators would believe the reason Zacchaeus had to climb up the tree to see Jesus that day is that nobody wanted him near them on the side of the road. He was despised by the whole community because of his selfishness and greed. But Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down. God is going to have fellowship with you. Jesus wants me? And the community is saying, Jesus wants him? So before they even go to the house for the meal, Zacchaeus stops and he says to everybody, Jesus, your grace to me has been so good, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Half of everything I have, I'm getting rid of and I'm giving it to the poor. And the other thing I'm going to do is if I've, de- if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to pay them four times as much. He started being generous. He started repenting. He started changing, and the people were like, what? Jesus says, salvation has come to this house, for he too is the son of Abraham. The gospel had come into Zacchaeus' life, and it transformed his heart in an instant because he realized how much God loved him. You know what your worth is You take away all your stuff. You take away all your possessions. You take away your job, your identity, your ministry. What do you have? That's who you are. I'll tell you what you have if you're in Christ. You have infinite value. You have infinite worth. And you have infinite possessions. Why? Because your heavenly Father is infinitely wealthy. Your heavenly Father, He is incredibly generous. And your Heavenly Father, He is impeccably trustworthy. I'll close with this. You're like, finally, I lost 10 pounds this morning. lost 10 pounds in church this morning. (laughs) In the 1800s at a Methodist church in Baltimore, let me get her name right. A 45-year-old woman named Delvina Hall was sitting in the choir loft, and the, the, the preaching had gone on way too long. And she sat there, and she sat there, and she thought of... She, she was kind of a, a, a thinker and a hymn writer and a poet, and she thought of a few good lines describing the salvation of Jesus, but she didn't have anything to write it on. So she took her hymnal, and she scribbled in the hymnal the following words. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. On her way out of the church that morning, she showed the pastor the hymnal, showed him the words. He didn't get on to her, <laughs> but he said, you know what? He says, our, our pianist just, a comp- just composed a, a tune. And as I look through this, I think the tune fits the words. And so that's what we have now that I think describes the gospel and how it should affect Not just us financially, but affect every aspect of our lives. There's more to come in the weeks to come. But listen, your life is not your own. You are bought with a price. Let me say that one more time. 1 Corinthians 6. Your life is not your own. You are bought with a price. By who? By that Heavenly Father that Jesus just told us about. In Luke 12, 32. I want to be owned. I want to be owned by that kind of Heavenly Father. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. It's it's been a pleasure to be here today. We know that you rejoice when someone comes to faith in Christ. All heaven rejoices. You also love cheerful givers. And for that we are grateful, for you are the ultimate cheerful giver. For it says about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And it says in Isaiah, Father, that you were pleased to bruise him. We can't understand that completely. We can't wrap our minds around it. But, Father, it says that you rejoiced to purchase us. You rejoiced to save us. You rejoiced based on that purchase, to give us the kingdom. So, Father, may we not fear. May we not worry. May we not have such anxiety that it chokes the the things that really matter out of our hearts and our minds and our lives. Thank you for the relationship we have with you. Thank you for the relationships we have with one another, with our family members. That's really what life is about, and we would know it. We would know it. If everything was peeled away except what matters most, we would finally see. Help us to see that without those things happening so that we can truly use your resources to do your will and for us to experience your joy in doing so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. You come as we sing.
3: let us pray. Father, we just pray that you would uh, help us to take the message that we've heard today and just may it root deeply in our hearts and may we learn that um, really any trust that we put in the things of this world is is a false trust and is a waste and that only you are trustworthy and only you can give us what we really need, which is you know, our peace with you, our relationship with you, and our eternal salvation. We know that we're not promised tomorrow, but we're promised eternity if we're trusting in you. And when we realize what you've done for us and what you've given to us, Father, uh, truly we can have peace and contentment in this world. And realizing that as a generous God, Father, that we too should be generous with what you've blessed us with. Uh, may we give today out of a sense of joy and, and thankfulness for all you've given to us. Use these gifts and tithes and offerings, Father, for your glory and for your purpose. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Let's stand, please. I would like to share with our church that I think I said last week that we had a child who went to the Wilds camp uh, the previous week who had accepted Christ as Savior, and I don't think I told him who it was, but I'm going to tell them this morning. Addie, why don't you come up? This is Addie Arp. Uh, Kylie and John Mark, you come stand with her. At, the camp, at camp Wilds this summer, uh, she received Christ as her Savior. Of course, we've known Addie for a long time. I think she's going into sixth grade tomorrow, right? So she's grown up here, and uh, of course, Kylie and John Mart were here, when I think, when I got here. John Mart reminded me that he and I joined Glenlock on the same day. So that's a decent day in the history of Glenlock, wouldn't you think, John Mart? <laughs> so anyway... Um, I'd like to, to present Addie before our church, she's accepted Christ, she will be baptized uh, when we get that date sorted out, and uh, she wanted to share everyone, with, with everyone that good news and wants to join our church uh, this morning. So what's the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church? I hear a second, all in favor, let me know by saying amen. 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 Uh, Addie, we love you, we'll pray that we will be the church Uh, that God would have for us to be for your discipleship and growth. So after uh, after our benediction, please come. If you don't know John, Mark, and Callie, you need to. And uh, meet Addie and hug her and celebrate what God's doing in her life. So tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll be in here. Don't know what the temperature's going to be. But, uh, hey, come again, you lose 10 more pounds, all right? (laughs) Catherine? We're going to
2: pray that the A.C. gets fixed before we <laughs> fill this room with Would teenagers Would you close tonight. us, please? Let's sing doxology together.
1: Praise God from whom I'll play.